Hello and welcome to the Beauty Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauty Industry, Tamara Shaw. Here we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. Today, I am speaking with the lovely Sarah Garner from Digital Bloom, whose aim is to help make beautiful brands better. Sarah and her team specialize in marketing and branding for the hair, beauty, and fashion industry and have some seriously kick-ass social graphics, strategy sessions, and promotions around event planning to align your brand, style, and budget. On today's episode, Sarah shares with us why traction is important, how to make the most out of your marketing, and how to cut through the noise that is social media and make your brand stand out. From Digital Bloom, today we welcome Sarah Garner. Thank you so much for having me, Samara. I'm really super stoked to be chatting all things branding with you. Likewise. Um, Sarah, we start the podcast in the same way each week by asking our guests where and how they entered into the beauty industry. However, um, a qualified beauty therapist you are not, but you still ended up being here in a marketing and a branding capacity. Um, How and why did you enter into the beauty industry, if you want to explain that for us? Oh, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess, you know, most people often ask me, you know, if I was originally a hairdresser or a beauty therapist, and I guess the short answer is no. Um, My background is purely graphic design, branding and marketing. um, And I love what I do. I really do. Um, I wanted to find my group of people, you know, really inspire them and help the entrepreneurs in these industries completely slay their digital game. And that goes so much, you know, further beyond the visuals. Um, I started working uh, with small business in, in any industry and whilst I have a really big passion for small business um, and helping entrepreneurs in that growth phase, um, there was good and bad moments yeah. uh, as everyone has on their journey. And I started making connections with, you know, more and more often with people in the hair and beauty industries and, and the newest addition, I guess, in the last 12 months to the Bloom clan is that fashion industry. Um, so I guess, it, you know, it's these very industries that I've really found my people um, I found them to be really creative and visual and bloody hard workers. Um, but I find also that, that amongst these three industries, they're completely um, underrated. Um, but not just that, you know, as I was working along in the last couple of years, I've, it's an often occurrence that I'm finding um, along, you know, especially the hair and beauty industry, where I'd constantly hear about all these same cookie cutter strategies, you know, when it comes to their marketing and the age old one size fits all approach with the branding. Um, And it just really grinds my gears. Like that's one of my biggest pet peeves. And, you know, I always have said, what's the role of an entrepreneur in these industries and these industries alone is to make people feel and look good. So who's helping these entrepreneurs, you know, uh, they're amazing, but who's who's helping them to look good, um, on the business and brand front and that that's not just on the outside but helping them you know and their brand look really beautiful on the inside too by uh, digging deep into what they stand for and 
what their values are and, and, you know, align that with their goals, not just only in their businesses but in their life as well to help them create, you know, this this life that they really want to live and have their business too. So, um, you know, I, I say to a lot of people you wouldn't really dare, you know, treat someone's skin or, or their hair, you know, your door. Oh, oh we got that off there. Sorry. I don't know what happened. That's okay. That that was me. I think I'll just put my phone on. Um, do not disturb. Do not disturb. If I put it on flight mode, that uh, should be as okay. As long as you still got internet. Um, let's nope. Nope, that's not. Oh, there you are. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to have to put on do not disturb. Sorry about this. I thought no, I'd done that's it. All right. That's okay. Um, Do you have an iPhone? Yes, I've just put it on night mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all good. At least it paused. Um, <laughs> that was perfect. So basically um, it just cut out as um, you, were, you were saying, so, you know, if you were treating someone's skin or treating someone's hair, you wouldn't do the cookie cutter approach. So if you want to go from there. Are you there? Oh, there you are again. You've cut out. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's weird. Are you on Do Not Disturb? Yeah, yeah. It's got the little moon on there. Ah, so strange. Um, are you on a Wi-Fi or normal connection? Uh, normal connection because the Wi-Fi where I am is really bad. Ah, how strange. Mm. That's right. We'll see. We'll how we go. go. We'll Sorry. We that's all right. No, don't be silly. Um, so you just cut out, um, you were, you were kind of just about to say, um, you wouldn't treat someone's skin or hair with a cookie cutter approach. Oh yes. Okay. Good. So if you want to go from <laughs> kind of that and then I'll cinch it. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Um, so you wouldn't like, you wouldn't dare treat anyone's skin or hair the same, uh, for every client that walks through your salon's doors, um, you know, you definitely wouldn't because everybody, every single person on this planet is completely different. And- um, notion that you should be taking with your brand so for me my business and, and what I get to do every day is really a passion project for me and and I really do believe I've hit the, the jackpot with what I'm doing because it never ever feels like work and I get to help these amazing people in these industries with bespoke strategies and and branding that aligns with their goals and honestly just seeing them thrive and achieving that is really what makes my my you know role in the industry so worthwhile and I just love it Mm, I think when you have that that job where it doesn't feel like a job it just feels like the most fun life ever that's really Mm. when the magic happens and I want to talk about your job and I guess your business Digital Bloom Um, can you take us back to kind of how that started and um, what Digital Bloom is for those who don't know yeah sure Um, so Digital Bloom actually funnily enough started in in a very um uh, I don't know, a life-altering way to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing a, in a netball grand final and, and I'd been dreaming, you know, all of my adult life to work for myself and help entrepreneurs just grow and, and achieve the life of their dreams. I'm a, you know, a dreamer and I'm always stuck in the clouds. Um, that particular game, I actually, uh, first injury I've ever had, I took a tumble and snapped my ACL clean off and, mm. you know, fractured bones and and did a number on my meniscus anyway it ended up in a good 12 months of rehab 
And it was at that time that the job I was currently in, um, I saw the possibilities of working from home and I really could vision, you know, myself combining my travel with my business. And then from there I thought, well, you know, I'm trying to do this as an entrepreneur. I wonder who else out there, you know, not necessarily the travel, but taking that travel and aligning it with whatever they're wanting to do with their life. How can we combine the two? So that's where the idea came from, um, my own sort of life experience in that respect. And then Digital Bloom was born, um, you know, basically out of making people feel beautiful and really good about their brand, um, making beautiful brands even better is, is our mission statement. And that's exactly how we do it by um, what, I, what I touched on before with how I got into the industry was, you know, take, alleviating that cookie cutter crap mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, really focusing in on the individual person and, and helping them build it from the ground up, re, you know, aligning their brand values with what they value, um, you know, and really solely solidifying their brand to be the best it can be. Um, and we help them do that across predominantly digitally. Digital Bloom is where we're going, um, you know, with the future being 2019. Um, but print marketing is a very important part of that as well. Perfect. And so you mentioned there the word brand, and I guess um, that's kind of spoken about a lot these days. Mm-hmm. What is the importance of building a brand if somebody isn't quite sure, if they don't know what a brand is like? How would you explain that? Oh, gosh. Your brand is everything. Like it goes way, way beyond your logo alone. There's this common misconception across any industry at all that your brand is your logo. And we would need like another 10 podcast episodes for me to <laughs> unravel on that. Um, but, you know, the, your brand and, and the foundations are vital to the success of your business. So, um, you know, some people refer to their brand as like their personality, you know, being the owner of the business or the founder of the brand as such. Um, you know, it's it's being unapologetically and and authentically you and staying 100% true to your brand um, and true to your values. And it's about practicing what you preach and and nurturing your audience to the absolute max. So when you start building a house, um, you know, they level the ground and then they lay the concrete slab, they put up the frame and then the plaster. And I hope this is how they do it because I've never built a house, but (laughs) electrics and and roof and, and so on. Um, it's very much the same with your brand that the stronger your foundations are that being your values and your your brand personality tone of voice what you strive for what your mission is um, teamed with knowing exactly who your ideal clients are right from the very start um, forms those really strong foundations of your brand Mm, and I guess it really when you have um, you know you've touched based on there about having your values and your vision and your mission. So just for those who don't know, your values are a set of words or perhaps sentences or um, ideas that you have in your head that are, as you say, the word foundation, and it really helps you in the decision-making process. So for Butte industry, our values are connection, support, education, motivation and conversation so every single decision I come to I'm like oh do they align with our brand values versus our vision is that to be a support community for the professional beauty industry 
and our mission is how we're going to get to the vision. So our mission is by connecting as many beauty business owners with their teams and their teams with their clients. So just a quick little recap for those who don't know that, but it really does help you understand your business and understand your client too. It's not just pretty pictures that we put on social media, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly right. It it really does, um, yeah, those values, I, I can't even stress enough how much those values really do. You hit the nail on the head. Like they shape every decision in your business um, from how you interact with clients on social media, from how you conduct yourself in business. Like um, our guiding values are integrity, honesty, respect, going above and beyond and treating everyone's business like it's our own. So um, we, they're our guiding values and that's what we, we stand by from visuals to right through to having a conversation to recording podcasts, everything. Amazing. And so um, if um, you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't have brand values, um, I'll put a show, uh, a link in the show notes rather, and we've actually created a big table of different words that you might like to choose for your value. So don't feel like it's too late. Um, you can start somewhere, even if you are 10 years down the track. But other than that, Sarah, I want to ask you, where does one start? You know, if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't have a brand. I don't know what my, my mission is. How am I going to get there to my vision? Like, where do we start? Because that can seem pretty overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. And look, just to make everyone feel better, like, probably 85 to 90% of the clients we work with don't even have the brand value. So it's actually quite a common thing. Um, and mm, that's quite, yeah, <laughs> you would actually be surprised how many people don't have them. Um, and part of our role goes, you know, as I said, it goes so much beyond the visuals. It really starts with this sort of stuff. Um, just, you know, where, where I would recommend everyone to start is you are your brand and you are so heavily as an entrepreneur injected into your business. So really you need to think about, as a person, what are your values and what do you stand by? So um, for me, I, my, um, I'm very ethical and integrity is probably my, my highest value and respecting of other people and those three are actually found in our values. So it's not necessarily your values as a person have to be your brand values. It's finding a fine balance with, okay, so what do you stand by and how do you want to do business and how do you want people to treat you? And generally you find a common denominator of your brand values and your personal values being very similar. Mm, that's a really good point there. And then when it comes to hiring your team and letting brands and other businesses into your business, if you know, you're stocking brands, for example, or taking on a new treatment menu, you can look at that brand's values and think well does it align with mine or you know when you're in an interview you can ask that person you know what are your values and or what you know what stands out for you and if they're you know not quite aligning with yours well then maybe that's not the best partnership and it really does help you kind of decipher what pathway you're going to go down in terms of that alignment mm, absolutely and it's interesting because um recently in the last couple of months I'd found I found this actually a couple of times that happened is on social media there there was a brand um I didn't work with them personally but I I know of someone that did and um they their values and what they preach to the world are one thing and what they were doing off of social media was another thing um mm. so it's really interesting when we talk about brand values 
you really have to remain authentic and 100% completely transparent because people find um, when that happens, people like see between, they read between the lines and they see what you're doing online and then they also see what you're doing offline and they go, there's actually a mismatch here. What, you know, that confuses people and it's not an authentic brand. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And and that is why I never say that my values is organic because I'm having espresso martinis on Saturday (laughs) night. So (laughs) that would conflict. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you're talking about branding there, that kind of it's quite an expansive word because you've got the kind of social digital media side, you've got advertising, marketing values, like there's so much into branding. Um, And I want to kind of talk a little bit about advertising because that's the first thing that a lot of beauty business owners ask me, you know, Mm. Tamara, I want more clients. I'm just going to go do advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I want to ask your opinion. Should we still be creating print collateral or are we putting all of our money into social media? Um, The short answer is print marketing is not dead in my opinion um, and my experience. But the long answer is it really boils down to the individual brand and where exactly your ideal audience hang out. So for example, if, if you had a regional spa and you know that print marketing like the good old-fashioned newspaper ads or letterbox drops really works for you and it brings those new clients in and it also um, not only brings new clients in, it will um, bring in potentially clients that we would call lost, like clients that haven't come in over you know, the last 12 weeks or clients that are currently your clients as well. They're coming in from all this sort of marketing um, you know, if that's working for you, keep doing it. That's that's as plain and simple as I can put it. Um, but if you find that you're in the heart of a metro area like Melbourne City, for example, and letterbox drops are, are far and few between and they haven't worked for you in 20 years, don't do it. Um, you know, we, we advise a lot of our clients to cover off on as many media touch points as possible um, that have been tried and tested for their brand and market. So that's the key words there, tried and tested for their brand. Um, Mm. if they haven't been tried and tested, then my advice is to get out there and start testing for your specific brand and find out exactly what works for you and keep doing more of it. So, um, for digital bloom, Instagram is one of our biggest, um, you know, platforms where we get a lot of inquiries. Uh, Facebook is our second, but we find Facebook ads, um, when we run them, Instagram, um, does better, performs better and Facebook messenger performs better. So it's really about trying something and testing it and measuring it and then doing more of that. Mm, And really finding out where your avatar or your perfect client is hanging out. Mm. You know, if they are young and savvy, then they're most likely going to be spending all of their time on Facebook and Instagram or if they're, you know, sitting between the mid-25s to 35s, maybe they'll be on LinkedIn or Pinterest Mm -hmm. or, you know, even a little bit more on a PC desktop, whereas if they're a little bit older, perhaps they're still reading magazines or whatever they may be doing. So Mm. it's it's difficult to kind of blanket, Mm. okay, I'm just going to put all my (laughs) eggs into this social media basket because... Maybe all of your clients aren't in that social media bracket, but it's quite interesting that you say there, you know, print marketing is not dead because I actually um, 
find that as soon as I've met somebody who I want to personally connect Mm. with, I'll actually send them a beautiful thank you note, Mm. you know. So Mm. um, thank you so much for being on the podcast or thanks so much for spending that weekend at our event. Mm -hmm. And that's just the best form of traction for us because it is offline. It is resonating with our values of connection Mm. and support just in a really unique way other than being online whereas if we are advertising an event for example then I'm going to purely be online Mm. because I'm not going to go around just letterbox dropping you know random people Um, so it's it's 100% correct what you're saying there and I want to touch base on social media a little bit more (laughs) because I know this is where the most confusion lies Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and People often say, well, how much should I be spending? How much time should I be doing? Um, If I want to grow my number of followers, um, (laughs) you know, and and sometimes I say, look, you have to keep plugging away to get traction. Mm. And this word of traction is always kind of flown around, but sometimes we can't see that it might convert to sales Mm -hmm. or convert to a new client. So in the terms of, you know, a branding and graphic expert as you are, what is traction and how or does it actually convert to getting bums on beds? Oh, very good question. And it's it's something that a lot of people say, oh, I need more followers just to get, you know, clients in the door. And I say, well, how do you know if those followers are genuine? And they say, well, I don't, but the more that I have, the better, right? Um, and it, it, that's another one we could spend millions of episodes on. But, um, <laughs> you know, the truth is, is, is that your followers don't really kind of matter. Um, what matters is the people that are looking and the people that are actually viewing your profile because more often than not, people um, who come across your profile and don't do anything at all, you never know they're there in the first place. So if they don't comment or like or follow you, you don't know who's watching. The amount of people that come to me, um, and they've said, I followed you on you know, Instagram for ages. I'm so-and-so. And I think, oh my goodness, I've never seen you before, but they've been following me. Mm-hmm. Like maybe give me a like to say, Hey, I'm here, um, is astronomical and traction really shouldn't be measured by followers, uh, is, is one of my biggest, um, pet peeves is that, that, that all ties into a thing, I guess, uh, in the social industry called vanity metrics and vanity metrics really, um, represents that so it's the amount of likes that you have or the comments on a post or the amount of people following you but it's exactly that it's it's vanity metrics because what you're not seeing is the people who have viewed your profile and didn't do anything um you're not seeing the people that your post got in front of and then picked up the phone and called you so um you know traction in in my terms is is really about the visibility you're getting um when it comes to your brand and marketing both online and in print um you know, print obviously is a bit harder to, to measure that traction because we have to go off print sales um, or amount of leaflets distributed. But uh, if we're focusing just on the online space, yeah, it's, it's far easier, like in 2019, to suss out the results of, you know, traction online. Hey community, it's Tamara here, interrupting this episode to share with you our newest networking brunch event details. On October 27th, we are bringing Brisbane and the surrounding Queensland suburbs, our Butte industry community, for a morning of coffee, connection and conversation. Industry experts such as Jacine Greenwood of Rococo Botanicals, Linda Woodhead of Mocker Publishing and Jessica Brigginshaw of Brow Squad are your industry experts who are going to explore the ins and outs of the industry on our panel discussion. 
Tickets are available on the website from $59 and we would love to see you there. Now, back to the episode. Here's Sarah. Traction will only convert to sales if you are clear on your client acquisition timeframe. So how long it takes for you to, you know, push free content in front of your clients from a, you know, we're talking social media here from Facebook and Instagram, um, the time it takes for them to, to convert to a client. Um, but you need a process and a strategy in place for them to convert. So the key word is time. It takes time and it takes work. It, it really does. Um, nurturing, back to what I said before is, you know, making sure that you're 100% authentic and unapologetically you and true to your brand, that really involves nurturing your audience and giving them time and giving them free tips and tricks and commenting on their stuff and really getting involved with them. And I know people don't have time, (laughs) um, but (laughs) I would be spending most of my time commenting on um, in Facebook groups and, and on other people's profiles to be social because that's what the platform's for. Um, and only then do people get to know, like, and trust you. Um, and conversion to sales, I suppose, is, is like that age-old marketing theory, that dating to marriage. So if you met someone and you went on a date with them, the first date, you wouldn't ask someone to marry you. Um, it's kind of a little bit weird. <laughs> so sales and marketing are the exact same thing, even though they're completely sales and marketing different um, sectors, you wouldn't um, just put something up on Instagram and expect the per- first person to land on it to buy from you straight away because it's not going to work. They don't know you. They don't like you. They don't know what your brand's about and they probably don't trust you because they've never had interaction with you. So um, I guess to sum that up, it's it's really putting in that groundwork and being social with people, like providing value um, and nurturing that online audience to the absolute max Um, that's when you start gaining the trust in your brand. And yes, your followers will increase, but you know that they're from, um, you know, your area and they're your ideal clients as opposed to a database in Bangladesh or in London or, you know, the US, Mm. wherever you're not basically. Um, And once over time, you know, you nurture them enough and, and really show them that you care, that's when you start seeing traction converting into the sales. So, you know, it, it really takes time and love. Mm, and and the love and the nurturing is it does take time and I guess what you're saying there is to you know how can I say this business owners always put and I see on their social medias this is a discount here's a tip <laughs> da, 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 you know this is the special today mm-hmm. this is our August promo mm. it's spring come in and spend here's a new product come in and buy mm. it And I call that, it's like asking for something Mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. And exactly as you've said there, it's like somebody meeting you on the first date and asking you to marry. Mm -hmm. And so say you go on 10 dates and every single time the same guy says, will you marry me? Will you marry me? Will you marry me? You've only been on 10 Mm -hmm. dates, you know, on the 10th time, you're not just going to decide, oh, okay, he's been really persistent in asking me. So sure, let's get (laughs) married. You know, it's, it's very similar in that we have to stop asking and asking and asking for the sale Mm. and asking for the client to come in and give them something instead. So you've mentioned there, you know, a free tip or maybe a free ebook that you've Mm. created or something like that, which the client actually goes, oh, hang on, they're asking about me, Mm -hmm. you know, they're really hearing me as a client and now I know who they are as a business and a little things like that, which is what really traction is and when we talk about engagement you know it takes two minutes to post something but when you start commenting on your followers 
pictures or, you know, putting little emojis or writing to them in the DMs, you know, that's kind of where that real traction and engagement comes from. And you might even pick up a a more um, aligned crowd because if I'm commenting on Digital Bloom stuff as beauty industry, maybe Digital Bloom's audience will see beauty industry and go, hang on, what's that? I'm going to go over there, Mm. you know, and likewise, and that's what will happen with, business owners businesses as well Mm, absolutely absolutely yeah and so we're talking about kind of sales and social media and things like that um and getting people in and I think one of the things we see lots lately is the promotions Mm. and the discounts and the you know the sales and everything else It can be done wrong, Mm -hmm. or I'll say incorrectly rather, Um, and I'm sure you've seen it and I've seen it many times. Do you have any tips for our audience on how they can actually get the most out of their promotion or the most out of a discount and stop wasting so much money and time and energy and getting no one in the door after they've done all of this hard work? Absolutely. Um, Look, one of my biggest struggles and and it really breaks my heart amongst this industry is that, um, you know, people discount or rather, sorry, I should say entrepreneurs discount and they think that that's a promo. Um, But what they're not looking at is if if the discount is worth their time because it's not profitable. um, One thing we really stress to our clients is when you're putting together a promotion or a campaign, whatever the offer, it must be profitable. So before anything else, before you go ahead and get all your stuff printed and advertise anywhere, the bottom line really matters because that's the reason why we're in business. Um, whatever you offer, it has to be profitable. So, um, you know, if it's not profitable, you're just going to lose money. And so you're working hard to lose money. And I don't think anyone wants that. <laughs> so you need no. to really look at, you know, what are the expenses, what are the costs of time associated with the service or the product or whatever it might be, Um and make sure that that's all covered, your break-even is covered well before you start a promo because it's cool to get the people in the door, um, but it's retaining them is where the gold lies. So we can, get, we can advertise for new clients for days, but if you can't retain them and keep rebooking them, then there's not really any point in doing the, the promotion anyway because we want to get those new clients in, you know, dating to marriage. So we want to get the new clients in, mm-hmm. make the first sale and then show them how amazing we are, which everyone is very capable of doing, rebooking them in and then, you know, treating them as a loyal returning client. Um, so once you've figured out the, the, I guess, the offer or the promotion and making sure that that's definitely worth your while, um, you need to go back to looking at what works for your brand's marketing. So um, I would advise a time frame set for the promo, um, encompass as many digital and print media touch points as you can that work for your brand. Um, and the key here is to keep it simple. So I don't want, you know, anyone to confuse their audience with multiple designs and spend, you know, in their outlay, spend thousands of dollars on multiple graphics when you could just have your graphic designer do up say two designs um for the promo and absolutely flood them everywhere so we're talking like facebook covers and ads and posters in the windows mirror talkers reception counter signs like i could keep going on um but Mm -hmm. take that one design and flood it everywhere um but the most important part i suppose apart from it being profitable that's number one the second most important part is to track and measure the results because if what you're doing and you're doing really well works, do it again. Keep doing it because if it ain't broken, don't fix it. All you need to do is just change the offer and make sure that's prom- prom- uh, sorry, profitable every time. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it's it's really great how you say there, make sure the promotion is profitable because something that scares me when I talk to business owners and they say, Tamara, I want to run an event or I want to run a promotion. I say, fantastic. What are our cost prices that we're looking at, you know, going down to, for example, because if we're doing 20% off, but you've only got a 20% increased margin, then as you said, you're working harder for nothing and giving away free things. So you really do have to know the cost of your wholesale treatment, the cost of your product, what is the markup of the product so that you're actually getting something back. And so things like add-ons or upgrades or, you know, buy buy five, get the six on free or something like that is a little more um, tangible mm-hmm. than just discounting for the sake of discounting, which you'll agree. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, even like I see people discount something below what they've paid for it. So if they're, mm. they're selling a, a promo that has a retail product in it, they'll sell it for less than what they paid for it. <laughs> and I think, why? Bananas. I mean, yeah, create yeah. brand awareness for sure. Like, but do you want to be known as the brand that is really cheap and just flogs all their stuff off, for, you know, next to nothing to get a quick buck in here and there when you're not really getting a quick buck in because you've already spent the money on the retail products? Yes, mm. you're so right there. And so consistent content, like having, as you said, there's so many pieces of collateral that you can have around and marketing materials, make sure that it's all consistent. And if you don't know how to do that, then, you know, get in touch with someone like Sarah, who is a graphic design, who can create those pieces for you and then measure the results. And I want to stay on this one because how do we measure the results of a successful marketing campaign or a promotion? Because, you know, back in the old day, we used to say to our client, bring in this little buff, (laughs) you know, that we would tear Mm. off. And then that's how we would know. However, it's a little bit more difficult nowadays. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Where I would recommend our clients to start is recording every bit of expense and sale associated with the promo. So, um, money is probably the easiest and quickest way to see if something's working or not for you. Um, but then I guess if you really wanted to delve deeper, you could look, if you're looking at a campaign, you could test, um, you know, to see if the content works on the socials and that's sussing out their in- insights and who's looking and what time and age bracket and everything. Um, but to, to stay on the, like, the track of the money um, is where I would advise people. So, for example, if you were to record the sales um, or revenue rather associated with a promotion, um, that wouldn't just necessarily mean the, the sales made on the promotion. Like let's say you have a promotion for two forty nine, but anything that's added on or upsold in association with that um, is also technically revenue made from the promotion. So did the client rebook? Um, and then can you sell another promotion perhaps with something like sell on pay or after pay? that's actually all associated with the revenue for the promotion. So that's the true sales figure. Um, And then from there, what I would recommend is subtract the expenses. So we're looking at um, the the retail products, you know, whatever it costs you, the time it took for a therapist to, you know, do the service and any of the materials involved. Um, Also any printing and and marketing that's cost you. And then subtract that from your your revenue and that's the profit. Mm. And I did once and I was just thinking then because I once did an event, um, it was a nighttime event with um, a big client and 
they took in 16,000 mm. on the night, which is huge mm. for a couple of hours, yeah. you know. And at the end of the month, we were looking at their profit and loss and they were at a loss. Mm. And I thought, how in the heck is this possible? Mm. You know, you've made your whole monthly wage in one night and you're at a loss. Mm. And it was because that income came in so quickly mm. that they forgot about subtracting all of the other investments that they had to make. So paying the staff that night, you know, purchasing more product to stock on the shelves because we sold everything out, um, buying another laser mm. machine, for example, because we had booked in so many <laughs> clients, you know. And and it's quite funny that you say that to measure the results and see if it is actually a success. It's not just about what you've taken in, but it's also about what you've spent on mm. that. And that really is the crux of having a successful business is getting in more than it, more than you're spending. Mm, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So when if, you, know, you put together that promo from the very start, as I mentioned before, if you actually figure out that the time it costs the therapist or you for the therapist rather than the wages, um, figure out exactly what materials are used and what the, the cost is, and you already know what it costs you when you make that 249 sale. So if you've got a 50% profit on that, great. Um, that's how you know exactly that, you know, you're, you're profitable within your offer to begin with. Mm. And I want to go back to um, the start of our conversation where you were saying there that building a brand is not just building a logo. What else does it entail? Because sometimes we do just think, oh, they've got a beautiful logo. That must be their brand. Like what other metrics are we looking at to have a brand? Oh, gosh. Oh, where do we start with this one? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're looking at everything from, you know, the way you write, the way you speak, the way you interact with people. Um, it goes so much more beyond the visuals, uh, you know, really knowing who your ideal audience are um, and being able to speak to their pain points. So what they really struggle with and what they need, um, you as the expert in the industry know that, um, but making it all about the client and speaking in their tone of voice so um, that you can meet their aspirations, which are the, the goals they want to achieve. So it might be when it's a skin client, what problems, what's problematic within the skin? Um, you might say, yeah, well, they have um, pigmentation or they have, um, you know, acne that's really bad. If you flip that on its head, the way that you really connect with your audience is um, in their tone of voice, I have freckles everywhere and they're all discolored and they don't know what to do with them you already know that but that's in their tone of voice so then how to flip like flip that again to meet their aspirations it's absolutely everything it's it's how you present yourself how you can how your team represent you as well um back to what you said before tomorrow about interviewing a potential team member it's really do they align with your brand values because they represent your brand at the end of the, end of the day and you'd actually be really surprised at how quickly they can tear it down as well um it's from yeah. every single decision in your business you make from your bookkeeper to um like you mentioned before you send out a handwritten card after you finish working with someone we do that as well um and that's not because um you know we want to show it off or put it in their face it's because that's a part of our customer service and how we also connect with our clients so every single little detail that makes up a brand even from like the booking system you use in the spa <laughs> everything the, the smell the choice of candles you use like you might use diffusers 
all of that encompasses the brand. It just goes so far beyond your visuals. Mm. And something I um, frequently say and people laugh is that I always say your therapists are your walking billboards. <laughs> yes. Because they are your free, well, you're paying mm. for them, but, you know, <laughs> we can say you're advertising. Yes. Um, when they've got your uniforms on and they've got, you know, if your, um, you know, signature look is a red lip mm. or a dark eye or whatever it may be. So it's interesting that you say, you know, in regards to actually having your team speak the language that your brand represents to the clients, mm. something I think perhaps we don't do enough in the beauty industry is a training, mm. but that's a whole nother 50 <laughs> podcast in its own. Um, but training on brand mm. and it really comes down to the induction, yes. you know. So if you've got a special name, for example, I, my very first beauty job, I won't say the name of it, but it was a hard name to say. Mm. And I left there and I went into Endota and Endota said, well, the Endota name is of Aboriginal descent. Mm. It means beautiful mm. and we have the logo is actually a malachite and the malachite is grounding and healing. Mm. And I still know that to this day and I haven't worked for them for five years. But what I don't know is that very first company's name, mm. I don't know the background behind it. I don't know the colour scheme. I don't know anything about that brand. Mm. So it made it really difficult for me as a therapist to then convey the brand's message to the client, I was just conveying my personal message mm. to the client. Mm. Whereas when I'm working for Indota, I'm conveying the Indota message of organic, natural, having that healing and grounding benefits, having, you know, the cultural background of the Aboriginal landscape in the Australian landscape, mm. you know. And I think brands like Indota, and I just use them as an example because I'm sure most people listening to the podcast would know you know, when you walk past Nandota, you breathe in and you think, oh, my gosh, that Indota smell, mm, you know, yes. and that is a part of the brand. Mm. It's, it's that really unique signature scent and blend of essential oils that they have. Now, I'm not suggesting everyone goes out and creates essential oil blend, uh, brand rather, blend rather, to your brand, um, but it is just those little things that make you remember mm. you know mm -hmm. and and really align with are you going to make a purchase there or are you not mm. absolutely you hit the nail on the head it's it's really everything you do making a lasting impression on that audience too and that's how and what you you know you associate that smell with endota um I, I would probably, yeah, I'm the actual same with um, Cook Eye. I, can't, I can never pronounce that. Um, yes. They have this amazing smell when you walk past and I think, oh, wow. I know. It, I'm, I'm going to spend money here yeah, today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even um, something if we're just talking about scents that you can smell from a mile away in the shopping centre is Peter Alexander. Oh, yes. You yes. know, they've always got that, um, that I think it's called Taha. Mm. Um, by the Palm Beach candles, mm, you know. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we're saying this, I'm sure people are smelling and thinking, yes, I know exactly what it is. Like, And you can already see the colours of the brands we're talking yes. about. You can see the people in the shop. You can mm. see the frontage, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. That essentially, um, actually I went to a conference over the weekend and somebody put it perfectly. 
the brand is not what people are saying in front of you. It's what people say when you leave the room. Exactly right. Yes. You know, and that is just so special. Mm, Absolutely. It's powerful beyond words. Mm. Mm. And so I'm wondering, you know, when we're creating a brand and, for example, if I came up to you and I was just about to start Beauty Industry and I said, Sarah, let's have a chat about putting a brand together for Beauty Industry where and how do you start that consultation process? With our clients, um, what we do is we, from the very start before you started a brand, we would work through that brand. We'd start very much at your brand values and really mapping out who your ideal clients are and what they look like. So putting together that ideal client avatar. If you were already an established brand, um, we do the same thing, except we would do a brand audit. So what are you loving about it? What's what's not working? Um, where are you wanting to head in the next 12 months, three years, five years, and so on? Um, and the same sort of applies, I guess, for both stages of business. We really try and align this business to your goals. Now, goals, of course, will change, um, but in the bigger picture of things, um, you know, for me, when I created my business, I very much wanted to be location independent. I don't think that will ever change. I uh, shouldn't say ever or never, um, but, mm-hmm. but generally I don't think that would change. The beauty industry, you're all about connection and no matter what you do, I don't think that will change. Um, so with mm-hmm. that overall big picture in mind, that's where we sort of start and we work our way um, through all that nitty gritty stuff we've discussed. And then once we're really clear on who we are, what we do, who we help, um, why we're doing it and where we want to go, do we then translate that into visuals? Because once you have all of that, it really helps you define the colors, the, the fonts, the, um, you know, the smells and the sight, the sights and the sounds and everything like that. Yeah. Amazing. And I want to just touch base on, rebranding here or why somebody or a business would change their brand or you know the other day um, my phone updated and I realized Facebook has a different logo on their app and I thought oh this is really interesting what are they doing here Mm. Um, how does one just change their logo or go about making such a big drastic change you know if they're looking at their spa at the moment and they're seeing lots of oranges mm. and they think oh that was cool when I created it 10 years ago but how am I going to move away from those kind of orange palette colors how do you do that but yet still retain the trust mm. and the familiarity that your clients have mm. that's a very good point um well I guess if you looked at something like uh coca-cola for instance it's a very very instantly recognizable brand but What a lot of people don't know is when it first started out, yes, it had the same similar colours, but over time, I think it's about, don't quote me on this, but I think it's about every 10 to 15 years they actually do change their logo, but you would never know. Um, Yeah, right. Yeah, because, I mean, it's very hard when you have a very well-established brand like that to then instantly change the logo. Um, What happens is people, they they lose um, that instantly recognisable visual because we all know that, you know, visuals are processed far quicker than anything else. Um, I think it's 10,000 times quicker than words. Um, So they associate that visual with that logo. So it's really a a fine line between, um, you know, retaining what you currently have and and staying true to the values and and everything like that and shifting it into something else. So um, a lot of people come to us with they might not have changed their logo for 10 years and like you said it might be that orange that's not so much in fashion anymore 
my advice is always do not go, um, you know, into creating a new logo and changing your brand to suit a fad um, because that will age and you'll have to go through this process a lot quicker and you lose that trust and that recognition from your audience. So um, what we just touched on before is you mentioned, Tara, that it's not what people are saying to your face about your brand, it's what they're talking about behind you know, behind your back or, or things like that in a good way, what they're speaking of about your brand. Um, you know, and, it, and the chances are if you're changing your logo every three years to keep up with the latest trends, they're going to know that and they're also going to lose track of you because they don't know who you are or where you are anymore. Mm, so maybe something a little bit more subtle like mm. a colour or a font or something like that, not a whole new redesign. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's interesting. Uh, we, we primarily, a lot of our clients are in these growth phases where they're already established and they are at this very point. Um, what they do is they, they're so, um, you know, torn because they love certain elements of their old logo, but they want something fresh and new because the business has grown to, say, industry leader status or, or they're getting really big um, and they're becoming a really big player, but they don't want to forget where they came from um and also they don't want their clients to forget you know or or lose them in in this process so it might be a certain element like um for instance there's a client that we have at the moment that has a key um as part of her logo and she really wants to hold on to that into the new logo so it might be as simple as keeping the colors and keeping one element and and changing it slightly to be fresh and updated and, and modern and something a little bit more timeless Brilliant. Sarah, can you please point us in the location of all of your social media, website, etc. Your branding is something I would love our audience to see because it is just stunning. And, you know, what you were saying before about consistency, like for you guys across every single platform, you're really consistent and you might just change the dimensions of a photo or change the wording and the tagging depending on what platform I would love for them to be able to have a look at that and see what a really strong brand looks like oh awesome thank you um so our website is um www.digitalbloom.com.au um instagram you can find us at the handle uh digital underscore bloom and the same on facebook um and I hope it's okay Tara uh, Tamara sorry um yeah I'll say that again I hope it's okay, Samara. <laughs> um, I just wanted to also give everyone who's listening a um, free copy of our promotional planner so um, that I can ensure I want to change the industry, that when everyone's planning a promotion that they offer is profitable. So um, we don't want anyone to lose any money anymore because that's not why we're in business. Yes, um, that's more than okay. <laughs> so um, to get your hands on that, all you have to do is jump on our Instagram page and the link's in the bio and it's all yours. Excellent. And I'll also grab that link and pop that in our show notes um, as well as all of your social media so that if you're on your phone, you can just click through from the podcast and that will be nice and easy for you. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and sharing all of your tips with us. Thanks so much for having me. It's been absolutely awesome. Don't you just love how Sarah puts all the marketing terms and brand words into a language that we can understand? It makes so much sense to me now that we need to be targeting the right type of clients to our business who align with our brand values and to speak the tone of voice when trying to attract them. 
If you haven't seen already, Sarah has pre-recorded for you all a presentation around perfecting your promotions, which can be found over in our Butte Industry Facebook community, which you can join for free by requesting to become a member. While you're there, feel free to share the love and follow us on all of the social platforms at Butte Industry or myself at Tamara Shaw. And if you find yourself with a few spare minutes, click the five-star rating on this episode and leave us a comment telling us what you loved about it. Until next time, stay connected.